Hello and welcome to Event Exchange, the podcast where we have deep conversations with people shaping the future of events. This podcast is brought to you by the event platform GiveMe. Hundreds of organizations worldwide use GiveMe to build unique event experiences, be it virtual, in-person, hybrid, and everything in between. Learn more about GiveMe by visiting gevme.com. Hi everyone, I'm your host Kirit from GiveMe, and today I'll be talking to Humphrey Chen, who is the CEO at Clipper. Welcome, Humphrey. It's a pleasure having you on board on Event Exchange. Thanks for joining us for this episode. In today's episode, we'll be talking about the huge potential that on-demand content has and how one can turn your event recordings into digestible content. So let's get started. So before we dive into the topic, we'd like love to learn a little bit more about Clipper. So Humphrey, why don't you tell us what exactly is Clipper and what is the problem that you're trying to solve when it comes to events? Yeah, no, absolutely. So for us at Clipper, I mean, we're all about allowing people to consume video much, much more efficiently. And so our operating premise for Clipper is that not all minutes of video are created equally, nor is each minute equally relevant to everyone. And so if only 5% of video matters to you, we want you to find that 5% of the video as quickly as possible. And if there's another 5% that you didn't know you need to know, we want to give you the tools to find that other 5%. And so if you get 10% utility out of that video, we view that as mission accomplished because it's 10% more than the average of zero. And it also means that you didn't have to wade through the other 90% uh, inefficiently. And so for us, like we're all about transforming the recorded video experience as well as improving the live experience. And so for us, it's all about getting as much utility out of the video as possible. Nice. That's very greatly put. And I think what you mentioned was super interesting about the difference between live experiences and the whole on-demand portion of it. And that brings me to the next question, which is really talking about a real-time optional. Can you explain to us the concept of real-time optional? Yeah, no, absolutely. So what it means is that you know, if you're in a meeting or in an event and you're not affecting the trajectory or the nature of the conversation or the presentation, then that, that means technically you're on the receiving end of a broadcast. And if you're on the receiving end of a broadcast, whether you're there or not there doesn't actually matter. And so it means that if there's somewhere you should be where you actually need to be present in real time, you should be there instead getting stuff done or in that meeting. And if you're in a meeting where you're essentially or an event and you're a fly on the wall, you know what, whether you're there in real time or whether you're there afterwards, a day later, a week later, or a month later, it doesn't matter because, and so for us at Clipper, we really want people to kind of take that to heart and optimize their time based on where they really need to be in real time. And so when you start to think about that, you can actually kind of better balance how you use your time asynchronously because if you have access to that information and you can get caught up very quickly, wow, then you actually are in multiple places at the same time. In the past, you couldn't be in, in the same place multiple, you couldn't be in multiple places at the same time. Now through technology and through machine learning, you actually can be. And so for us, we've all had that situation happen where someone will be like, oh, we'll record that meeting and I'll get caught up. 
most people know that they actually don't get caught up. I mean, it's like they pretend they get caught up. They get the link. Imagine a situation where you as the host or the organizer sends that recording. You end up seeing exactly what they've seen, when they've seen it, and you know that they've caught up. And so that kind of accountability. So we're working towards this vision. And, I, you know, I'm going to straddle between events world and the enterprise world. Mm-hmm. In the enterprise world, we all get calendar invites and there's like required and there's optional. We want to have a new setting that says real time optional. And if it's real time optional, you'll get the recording and the person who is the organizer will actually see exactly what you've seen. In the events world, it's different, right? And so we'll talk more about that. <laughs> yeah. And I think, yeah, that's a great concept to be talking about because uh, with the whole transformation, even in the events industry and the workplace also, I think real-time optional is really becoming a thing. And a lot of us are appreciating the fact that, you know, you don't actually need to be present in real time. And that's amazing. But let's switch that conversation to a little bit towards the events industry. And in the future, I mean, as we can see, physical events are slowly coming back. And in some parts of the world, they're actually back in full force. So do you see the future of event attendance still being real-time optional when that happens? Yeah, I think it's going to end up. So there's there's always going to be an important role for in person, right? Um, in terms of relationship building, building networks, closing deals. I mean, so when you have an in person interaction, it's like many more dimensions, mm-hmm. right? You have what are the context of where you are, the menu, the drinks, the ambiance, the mood, the music. All those things come into play, and and someone can spend to get spend time together for many more hours than they could if they were like virtually and remotely present. And so what I envision happening uh, in the events in the, in the real world with the return to in person, it's going to, I've been in situations where I've been at an event where I'd rather be at a specific session than another session. And so I can actually be in the session that's more important because I know I'm going to cut up another session, or I might rather be in happy hour or with a customer because I know I'm not going to miss out on that information. And so having that digital access and having that comfort and knowing that I can actually get caught up and that I have the tools will allow for someone to kind of make more trade-offs around how their time is being used in real time. And so I think what's going to end up happening is that people are going to be more efficient about what they consume, when they consume it, and how they consume it and who they share it with. Yeah. And so in a way, I think what's really nice about it is that the COVID basically meaningfully accelerated the digital adoption and now that's here to stay. And so the reach of the audience is, is much bigger. The in-person is going to be more selective. The in-person is also going to be probably higher quality because yeah. now when people want to go somewhere, they they really want to go somewhere really well because they're going to be a lot pickier about it. And so in a way you actually are going to have the best of both worlds. And so for the people who end up not choosing to show up in person, if they're very transactional in nature and it's their job to like get current on something, then they're all about knowledge absorption, efficient knowledge absorption. So the digital tools are going to allow for that. But if someone is there to close the deal, if someone is there to like find a new job, I mean, you're still going to show up in person and you're going to do those events and you're going to do the boondoggle because that is still going to be a very valuable part of the overall experience. Now you just have more choices and those choices means you have more flexibility to kind of operate the way you want to operate. 
Absolutely. And I think that's very nicely put where, you know, we've got multiple choices to choose from. And again, it directly impacts the quality of uh, conversations you're having or the actual need of you to sort of go to an in-person event versus the digital event. So that's amazing. So now let's talk a little bit about events and the return on investment that different stakeholders would have during an event. So uh, what I mean by that is when we talk about the rise of on-demand content, how can a solution like Clipper increase the event ROI when we talk about it from an event owner's perspective? Yeah. So what the way we think about that is that the content that you've invested so much energy in creating, it has a shelf life. And the <laughs> shelf life is more than just the real-time audience because that real-time audience you may have hundreds, you may have thousands of people, but then there's also people that are in different time zones that couldn't make it, that might actually be interested in it. And so, you know, we're all familiar with YouTube and Google. When you search these things, you can actually find them. And when you find them, you can have ongoing engagement. And so I basically view that as the long tail. So after the event, you have that initial kind of peak of people who are showing up, but afterwards it diminishes, but the shelf life can actually get extended when people can actually still find that content, when it's SEO optimized, when it's on your site. Mm -hmm. And if you're an event organizer and you create an event pass where someone subscribes to that content, they have ongoing access to that content. And when you have ongoing access to that content, that means they can share it with their colleagues. It also means that other people can engage with the content and you can actually continue the conversation that started live asynchronously. And so now, as that conversation continues in between events, that's actually subscription revenue. But it also actually could be when someone engages on the content, how they engage on it informs how much they value that information. Are they bookmarking it? Are they sharing it? When they reacted with a specific emoji, was it a love emoji or was it a confused emoji? Because guess what? That's actually a lead an opportunity to engage with that in user because they've already told you exactly what they thought. You weren't there, but they engaged with the content. They told you what they liked and what they didn't like. They also told a bunch of other people what they liked and didn't like. And so that ongoing engagement means that the ROI can actually go up because engagement continues. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have this cliff that just drops off completely to zero because the content can persist, it can be found, it can be discovered, it can be interacted, it can also be actionable. And so it also can nurture and increase the attendance at the next event because where people are engaging and where they're not engaging also informs what content was actually effective and what content wasn't effective, right? And so if no one is engaging around this specific set of sessions, well, you gotta wonder like maybe it shouldn't be repeated, right? Yeah. Um, or maybe that speaker shouldn't be there. And so all this data is actually hugely valuable and you let the content speak for itself. And what used to be an afterthought is now actually something that can be invested in and nurtured and developed. And with that come returns. Yeah. And I think we've been talking a lot about the data around uh, digital events. And like you mentioned, when you're able to capture literally every reaction within from a live experience and sort of translate it into something meaningful, it really shows the power of sort of using a technology in order to derive some actionable next steps for you, like strategizing your next event and so on. So that's amazing. 
so in terms of i think extending that whole conversation but also really trying to understand when clipper does this whole analysis and do you get results instantaneously after you sort of uh, after the event is over how does that work yeah so i'll answer this two ways so clipper actually has an offering called clipper simul live mm. and so one of the things that has occurred is many events especially like with keynotes or like you know famous speakers the session actually gets recorded in advance and so it's simulated live because it was pre-recorded and now it's being played and the person might actually still be available and hopefully wearing the same clothing that they did when they actually previously recorded it in that situation clipper can actually enrich it we would use the we would use machine learning we index the content we enrich the content when we're letting the event platform play and simulate live we actually turn off the ability to skip and skim and bookmark because technically you know when you're watching a live event you can't skip or you can't skim and mm. there shouldn't be a whole bunch of descriptions around the stuff because it's technically live so we're actually simulating live but there is the opportunity to react and when you act with the emojis those emojis bloom which actually provides feedback to the audience and and to every to if it is actually live the people who are the speaker actually can see that as well now in that situation as soon as the event is finished it is instantaneous because we flip that switch when it flips from live to post the event at the event platform we start hydrating the topics because we've already previously indexed it and now we let people skip skim bookmark and comment and engage and the emojis from the live event get carried forward to the post event version so in that situation it actually is instantaneous now in the situation where a session just finished and it was really really live it takes us 50% of the time of the length of the content and so if the session took an hour it takes us 30 minutes to process that content and so that's where there's a slight delay but that's usually faster than most people expect the turnaround to be because when the event is done they're usually like all right done let's party um, they're not expecting that the content shows up immediately right and so having the real time content is actually faster than people would even expect or need having it be 50% of it ends up being good enough effectively you know most people present the content a day or two or three days right. later and so that's actually plenty of time to like refine and adjust and improve even further if you want but real time like we allow for 50% it takes us 50% of the actual length of the content to process yeah that's actually quicker a turnaround time than i had anticipated it to be as well so that sounds pretty cool let's talk a little bit about the other key stakeholders at an event which is really the attendees so how does clipper improve the, that event experience for an attendee yeah So for an attendee there's a couple of things. One is because Clipper makes things searchable, they can search all the content from the conference that they care about and just watch the content they care about, right? So since I'm in the machine learning world, if I went to a machine learning conference like Amazon's reInvent, I would just search for machine learning and I could find every single topic, every single session that was discussed where machine learning was discussed and I could just watch all of that stuff. And so if it was my job to like report back on all the thing the latest developments in the machine learning i literally could just watch only that topic now that's search part of the experience but while i'm also searching it i can bookmark each one and i can also share it with all my colleagues in a very efficient summary and so 
Clipper is actually also providing a new capability called Clipper Reels, which essentially is a highlight reel. So the things that I'm watching, when I report back, I can actually visually and let everyone experience what I saw. And so I mm-hmm. can actually have the tools without even knowing something like Adobe Premiere Pro, where I can go this topic, this topic, this topic, and then share it to the whole team. So that's one aspect in terms of efficient learning, efficiently finding what I want. I I actually call that hunters, right? So there's hunters who are like learning, just like there's hunters for shopping. It's like, I need to get this. Let me go and get it. Like we want someone to very efficiently hunt and get what they want. And that also includes a personalized experience of a session. So when you watch a session, let's face it, if it's an hour long session, maybe not all of that hour is actually truly interesting. Maybe the first 20 minutes was totally socializing. You're like, skip that, right? And so you could just pick those sessions and topics that you care about. And so when you personalize the video, you're just watching the parts that matter to you. In fact, you can just read a summary of those topics and immediately decide, I don't even need to watch this session. And so we actually allow for efficient hunting, but there's also the gatherer. The gatherer is actually skimming and skipping. And so when you also decide to like skim and skip, the classic way is plus 10, plus 10, minus 10, plus 10, or watching it one and a half X or two X. But we allow you to skip from topic to topic. And so you actually can efficiently skim and skip. But we also have knowledge graphs that also show where people are engaging around the content. So if this kind of ties back to sometimes you know what you need to know and sometimes you don't know what you need to know and what people are talking about informs what the most popular stuff is means like, oh, maybe you need to jump to this other area. So we provide the tools to let you do that as well. So these are just some of the examples of like if more efficiently finding and more efficiently learning about stuff you didn't know. And the fact that we're crowdsourcing that content means that we also are dynamically adjusting and giving you the tools to learn about what you need to learn about as well. And so there's another one other concept I'll just refer to as referential utility, right? So it's like, you know that that information is there. So now you can just get it whenever you want, right? And so a lot of times it's like you're in, it's in your head and you might remember it, but now you can just like search for it and recall it and save it and then turn that into a to-do list. And so that's another extension of, of our, of our capabilities. And then you can also socially share it. So if you actually are trying to build a name for yourself around your thought leadership, you can easily share those, you know, video moments with the community too. So we're all about like searching, making it interactive, making it actionable and uh, making stuff shareable. (laughs) It sounds amazing. And I think as an attendee, for me specifically, what you just talked us through about the table of contents and just having it topic wise spread out and I can literally skip from topic to topic instead of having to go one X, two X, then skimming through the video. That's just super useful because at the end of the day, like you said, like we might not want to watch the entire set of two hours of video that's up there, but just specific portions of it that are relevant to me. So that's really amazing. And it really goes on to talk about the personalization aspect of things as well. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. One metaphor that I would kind of like draw a parallel to is like, if you view an event, like an amusement park, like we've all been to an amusement park or and it's like, there's all these different rides. And you're like, which ride do you want to take? And it's like, if yeah. you have the data around which rides are better, like 
you're going to go to the ones that are better. And so the other metaphor to think about it is that an event is like there's buried treasure and the buried treasure that you're looking for, that aha moment, it's like a needle in the haystack. It's not easy to find. And so like we want to help you find those tools to like navigate and have it be as efficient as possible because time is so precious. And so another kind of core thing that Clipper focuses on is you know, giving you the tools to focus on the moments that truly matter, right? And so, you know, we have to be selective about that in work and also in life. And I think what you call those is, if I'm not wrong, is key moments at Clipper, right? Where, yeah, so that's amazing. And I love that metaphor about the amusement parks and greatly put there, uh, Humphrey. So I think let's take the conversation to the next stakeholder, which is the sponsors. When we talk about sponsors at an event, can you help us understand how Clipper is able to provide value to sponsors and sort of enable sponsorships as uh, an element of, of an event? Yeah. So, you know, I'm not sure if you've heard the term wall bound, but, you know, there are event organizers that have a situation of, you know, running out of things to sell. And so mm-hmm. Clipper actually has real estate that allows them to sell sponsorships inside the Clipper player, real estate sponsored by or having it be the beginning of a of a video in between the video we start off with kind of real estate inside the clipper player where it could be brought to you by you know blah 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 sponsor and so we're actually initially starting off with providing increment additional real estate for sponsors to actually sell uh, and, and generate more revenue within the clipper player itself and then we'll actually start providing client deeper tools that are actually just part of the content itself and where the ad could be in the beginning or in between the pauses or in between the skips. Now we want to draw the fine line between, you know, YouTube clearly makes business, you know, off of eyeballs and and ads. And that's the other extreme of having it be completely monetized by like advertisers. Whereas, you know, sometimes people want that. Sometimes people don't want that. And so again, we want to provide the flexibility for people to mix and match, have it be subtle, have it be in their face. It's kind of like up to the organizer what they want. For us, it's important to have like a solid end user experience. And so for us, when we work with anybody, an organizer, when they tell us priorities, like, hey, we need more real estate to sell, like we'll come up with more real estate and allow them to, to sell more real estate. And so, yeah, so, and, you know, for... Yeah, I think you get it. <laughs> yeah. No, I think um, that's amazing because right now at the end of the day, right, like we've been talking about events and how you can monetize even virtual events. So it's interesting the way you mention it and you call it real estates for sponsors. And that's something I think we'll have to get going and get working on because at the end of the day, we're going to be talking about event ROIs after you do your final debrief of your event. And that's where sometimes the money is coming from it's your sponsor so those are some stakeholders you really need to keep happy there so that's interesting that clipper is also catering for that as well let's switch over the conversation a little bit to accessibility and with uh, you know things going virtual there's definitely greater accessibility and we've talked about that uh, previously as well but there are also other barriers that come with it such as language barriers. So Mm. how can on-demand videos and that whole experience be consumed by all? Yeah, so so it's interesting. Clipper actually supports 31 languages. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and since we're actually, we're running on the Amazon cloud and 
a lot of it's actually, you know, most of it's actually trained off of the Alexa corpus. And so actually out of the 31 English, 31 languages, 17 of them are actually variations of English, like Indian English, British English, Scottish English. But, you know, the major European languages, the major Asian languages, Clipper already supports it. So it's one thing for us to actually ingest and support the actual language that's being spoken. But there's also another capability that Clipper can provide because we can actually not only understand multiple languages, we can also translate to multiple languages. And so if this is actually in English and you want to hear it in German, then we can actually do it in German. And the technology is already there, an API that I'll just kind of draw attention to. Amazon has an API called Poly. It's like like a Palyuana cracker. And so in that situation, you can actually do text to speech in different languages and it sounds very human like i mean right now the state of the art in speech in machine learning general natural language speech is the ability to whisper right and so having a machine whisper is a very human like thing and so when we talk about accessibility expanding the reach is leveraging the latest and greatest tools that allow for people to hear it in a language that they prefer English is, is a global language, but it's missing the boat to assume that everyone needs to be accessing it only in that language. So for us, it's always been a priority to ingest in different languages, but then also it's become an increasing priority to allow for it to be heard in other languages and having access to the transcript in different languages, but then also hearing it in different languages. So that's mm-hmm. something that we don't have that yet, but we have heard requests for it. And when it's prioritized, we aim to please if there's a schedule and a need and a demand. And so for us, accessibility has, has been always been a priority. And the nice thing about the state of the art now in machine learning is that all these technologies already exist and we have the ability to do them. If the demand is there, then we'll make that happen faster. That sounds amazing. And that's a great segue into my last question, which is probably the most exciting one. What's the future of Clipper and what does that look like? And if you could comment a little bit on how AI and machine learning can be further leveraged to increase the event ROI. Yeah. So I think right now, one of the things that uh, we've been working towards already has been when people engage with the content, how they engage it is actually a, a lead. It's a qualified lead that actually can be integrated in with a CRM platform and handed over to the sales team. So that's like a thing that we already have been getting requests for and wanting to make that happen where people intuitively understand that, hey, when you have basic analytics around what people are engaging on, it then leads to premium or advanced analytics. And when you have the premium and advanced analytics, once it starts to get to like a bigger scale, People actually want that to tie that back in directly with their CRM platform, which then means that the marketing efforts can actually get tied directly to, to the sales or the customer success teams. And that is like something that is already like part of the future for Clipper in terms of tying in with CRM platforms, allowing for that follow up and for that engagement to occur. Now, and we also think about other aspects that we've been hearing. One thing that, you know, when you react through emojis, in the live experience, what if the person is actually showcasing something and, and displaying something? And it's like, oh, like, hey, this is like object X. Why not let someone just click it and buy it? I mean, it's just like 
it's like a home shopping club or, or QVC. And, and these trends have already been happening where live commerce, right? And so that video event that's discussing something can actually become clickable and purchasable. And so that's actually another direction, right? So we already have this situation where we're living in a very impulsive society where you see it, you buy it, you want it, and it just suddenly shows up. And so now like the blend, the things that we're seeing in the events world, in the enterprise world, in e-commerce, everything's starting to like converge. And, and so that actionability is also going to get richer and that ties in with machine learning because it could detect that exact object and make that transaction happen. And that doesn't have to be a person sitting there going, Oh my God, wait, what is that object? And it's like, we can detect it if we have the library. And if you know who's speaking, there's aspects that you can narrow down the universe, which actually then allows for it it to happen. So I think the trend is moving towards more impulsive, more actionable, more efficient. Um, Hmm. And the automation allows for all that to happen. And so in a way, I think it's exciting, right? And so, and it's cool when you have access to, and when we have access to the tools that are available, and then we marry that with what people need and what they want and what they value. And so, you know, for us at Clipper, like we're very obsessed around like what customers want. And so when we hear it, when they want it, like we, we want to do it. And so like, we'll focus on those things. And, uh, you know, it's actually awesome to be able to like reach your audience. And I'm really thankful for you being able to, to, to locate me and, and, yeah. uh, you know, have this conversation. <laughs> no, yeah. And it's been wonderful. And that was uh, like quite, quite an in, uh, insightful discussion we've had with you. And it's really exciting to see how, uh, you know, Clipper was born, born out of the pandemic and it's been delivering such great experiences and driving value to event professionals, be it event owners, attendees, or sponsors. So that's been uh, quite an interesting journey. And we definitely look forward to what's ahead of like from today and all the best to you with that journey. But thanks for joining us for the first episode. This brings us to the end of the episode. So it's been great talking to you and we should stay in touch. And it's been great. Yeah, thanks so much. And uh, hopefully everyone will be able to experience this uh, session, Clipper Enriched. Thanks for listening to this episode of Event Exchange, a podcast by Kifmi. Before you leave, make sure to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is you're listening. Visit giveme.com for more resources on how to run better events.